Welcome back, everybody, to the Nosebleed Sports Podcast. I am Chris Witt, and with me, as always, is Mr. Adam Schmidt. Adam, how are you, sir? Fantastic. How are you? I'm phenomenal because we haven't had – we've got a guest on here today. He's on the line with us right now. We haven't had him since before the Red season started. That's right. The Reds have been through some ups and downs this year. They've uh, got some big ups here lately. Now a little down over the last two games, but here to tell us all about it is Reds beat writer for the Cincinnati Enquirer slash USA Today. Also, uh, probably one of the more known for his um, Falco scandal. Uh, (laughs) I'll never let that down. (laughs) Mr. Bobby Nightingale Jr. Bobby, how are you? Best entrance I've ever gotten. I love it. I will never forget that story of you and uh, what was the guy who used to train Barry Bonds? What was the guy who was at your house? Greg Anderson. Greg Anderson. That's his name. I'll never forget the story. Well, I can't remember his name, but I remember he was at your house <laughs> teaching you how to lift some lift some weights. I love it. Uh, that's awesome. All right, so, Bobby, let's get straight to it. Number one question is you've been married for a short period of time. How's the, How's everything going? We good? Everything's happening smooth? Yeah, still married, so that's the <laughs> – that's the most important thing, right? I feel, I feel sign. exactly. I feel you. I feel like you're doing something right then. <laughs> <laughs> you're, you've already been in a much longer marriage than I have been in any relationship in my life. So good for you, <laughs> <laughs> poor Adam. Oh, Adam Schmidt. Oh, that's a buddy. That Bobby. That's a that's a tangled web that we don't even want to get into yeah, right yeah. now. <laughs> about that. All right, man. So uh, let's go ahead and get started, man. Let's talk about these red legs because they're they're still a game and a half out, even though we just lost. Back-to-back games against a terrible Cubs team. Um, besides Votto still banging at the age of 37, about to be 38 years old, what's the what's the biggest difference from now from um, from from about a, around the All Star game when they're eight or nine games back? Yeah, I'd say just the the offense has come alive. I mean, that's that's kind of what's carried them throughout the past few weeks. It hurt them the last two day, last two games. They only scored one run against the Cubs in those two losses. But before that, I mean, just the top of the order, Jonathan India getting on base the way he has more than 40% of the time. Jesse Winker, um, you know, Castellanos has been hurt a little bit, come back. Um, but they were able to survive without him just based off the rest of the guys. I mean, Joey Votto's playing at an MVP level. He's arguably the best hitter right now after the All-Star break in baseball. So they've had a lot of guys step up, the starting rotation, um, you know, it's not as good as it was last year, but it, it's getting the job done, and it's kind of covered some holes for the bullpen uh, just with the way Wade Miley, Vladimir Gutierrez, Luis Castillo, those guys have all pitched. Yeah, they, it, it, so the last two games, <laughs> lost to the Cubs, like Chris mentioned, and only produced two runs over the course of those two games. It, you know, a, a, a series, losing a series at home, Against the Cubs when the Padres are also losing, having a chance to gain some ground. I, we've got a while to go still. I mean, we got, what, six weeks still to go or something like that in the season. So don't want to. I don't want to put all my eggs in, this, in the basket of the last couple of days, but an opportunity certainly seems wasted. Did that – did the issue with the offense the last couple of days, is that a direct impact? Is that how much the impact of Jesse Winker being on the DL now or the IL – now i mean is that that or what happened the last couple of days of the offense yeah i mean i, I kind of give them a, a pass for the loss on tuesday um you know they're facing kyle hendricks he's a veteran he's he's been around he's had success against the reds in the past um so i mean i mean it's understandable that he shut down the bats their bullpen uh the guys that are still left in that bullpen you know they, they pitched well the Reds had the bases loaded, and uh, for Jonathan India and, jo- and Joey Votto, and the Cubs were able to get out of it. You know, you kind of have to tip your cap when that happens. I mean, the Reds had their chance and they missed it. Um, today, it was just you know a guy, Adrian Sampson, hadn't pitched in the big league since 2019. Um, this this one was a little bit, I think, hurts a little bit more just because they they really didn't have many offensive opportunities. Tyler Naquin homered, but other than that, um, you know, they didn't really have a chance. They were down five runs pretty quickly because Tyler Bally struggled, but. Um, you know, five runs isn't a crazy amount in Great American Ballpark, and they, they just didn't look good. They just seemed flat today would probably be the best way to put it. And um, 
I, I don't think it's concerning. It's just one of those things, like you said, it's a missed opportunity against a bad team, especially when the Padres are losing. So when you got a pitcher having a bad day like today, right? Um, and once again, we've got Bobby Nightingale, beat writer for the Cincinnati Reds with us. Uh, so if you've, if you've got a pitcher who's not pitching too well, but he still somehow ekes out four, four innings, I believe he threw today. Five. He did get through five. Um, I feel like at some point in time, we've had this conversation before, to get a little lift would be nice to have an extra bat in the lineup. Uh, so next year we're talking about having this universal DH. I just want to bring this up real quick because I got a little side note off to the side. I listened to you with, uh, with the Cowboy the, uh, about a week ago, and I believe we had the same conversation. And it was about using the universal DH next year. And you mm-hmm. had some interesting comments that I was I was very intrigued by. What do you think now after after having a season back with pitching with the pitchers hitting? What's your new thoughts on it? Do you feel, I mean, like, I still do think you feel it... like you're in the principal's office, Bobby? <laughs> like you just got called to the principal's office. <laughs> He's, he brought the receipts. That's right, baby. <laughs> Sorry to interrupt. Go ahead. I was going to say, per, like, professionally, I, I think there's a 99% chance there's a universal DH next year. The CBA's ending and uh, the collective bargaining agreement's ending in December. So Players Association and MLB have to hammer a new agreement. I think they both want universal DH, so it's definitely coming. I, I think even some pitchers want to use universal DH. So um, I, I think that's definitely coming. I just wish you could have some late-game strategy with it. I, I like the hybrid version where you get a DH as long as you're starting pitchers in the game. You take your starting pitcher out, you lose your DH. Because um, the, honestly, there's not that many true DHs if you look around baseball. Like you have Nelson Cruz. Um, you have some big names that serve as a DH in the American League. But there's not a ton of true DHs. Like I mean, Shohei Otani, he's a DH now, but if he, he probably could play the outfield if he wanted. There's not too many guys like Nelson Cruz or like a hitter-only type guy. Um, so I, I I just think if you made it that way, you'd still get your late game strategy. You could still get your DH where pitchers don't really have to hit because you could pinch hit for them late in games, um, and it, it kind of forces you to raise the importance of starting pitching as well. I kind of like this hybrid idea. You you kind of brought this up uh, during during the game a couple weeks ago when you were talking to him about it. I like this hybrid idea. This is something I haven't heard of. Is this something that's out there that it's a possibility that you can that it'll be a DH only when you're starting pitchers in the game? The one I've seen right about it the most is Jason Stark. Um, he, he's probably made it the most public over at the Athletic. I, I don't know if that has any true legs. I don't know if it even MLB's even considering it. I, I just think it's kind of the best version of both options. Like you. Starting pitchers instead of like openers, it's like okay, well, if you want to do an opener, you have to really think about it. Um, right. So I, I just think it be- you want your starting pitchers to pitch deeper into games. You want that to come back a little bit. That's kind of a way to force it to happen. Um, but I, it, it per- like professionally, I think no matter, I, I think it's just going to be universal DH American League rules, and that's what's going to happen. And um, you know, I, I I've liked pitchers hitting more than I thought I would this year. Yeah, that was my that was that's that's the exact sentence I wanted to get out of you because that's my <laughs> that is the way that I love the world and I love everything about it. Uh, no, but I I do I I'm I the DH isn't a bad idea. I, I kind of did like it last year. It was nice, but I do like your little hybrid idea. So anyway, get back off of that. Let let's can we talk about Joey Votto for a minute? This guy yeah. is is passing people up. He's 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 breaking records. He's doing things no one has ever done before. And not ever done before, but he's putting himself into a league of five or six people in baseball history with different things that he's doing right now. Is this he he mentioned the other day that he's been he's always had this power. He just never used it. Is this a regret for him at this point? Because this guy is absolutely raking right now since he switched that stand up. Stand up stance and bringing his hands all the way down to his bat. Hey, you get to talk to him a lot. Is this a regret he's starting to have older in his now that he's getting older and can look back? I don't think it's a regret because I think 2017 was still the best of both worlds. You know, he still hit 30 homers. He still got on base 45% of the time, led the league um, in on base percentage. That, that was like his perfect, if everything goes right, that's what he can do. I, I think it's just more 
2019, uh, 2018, 2019, 2020, he just didn't hit homers. Um, in 20, 2018, he still led the league in on-base percentage. So he wasn't terrible in 2018. He was probably worse from his standards, but um, overall he he didn't have a bad season. He's, he had a bad season in 2019. He had a bad season in 2020. Um, but I, I think it's just him acknowledging there's a shift in the way pitchers pitch these days. You know, there's more velocity. Um, it's just harder to, to get walks if guys don't fear that you're going to hit homers. And I, I don't think sure. pitchers feared Votto as much until – he went on this run, and now now you're seeing him draw more walks. You're seeing him get on base a lot more. Um, so I, I don't think it's a regret. I think it's just more he, he's evolved as the game's evolved. And, um, you know, I, I didn't I didn't think he had it that type of power in him still um, at 37. No, I, did, I didn't think he did either. But all it took was a little switch of the batting stance, brought his hands back down on the bat, and all of a sudden this guy is – Back, back to you know old old 2000, 2015, 16 Votto form. You know this is this is what we saw when we made our last run to the uh, to the playoffs. So focusing around him with Castellanos coming off the the IL, uh, Winker obviously back on now, but Winker was raking. Farmer's been killing the ball. Um, you also have Naquin who's on fire right now. This offense is in a perfect spot. But can we talk about the bullpen? What is the – how do we fix the bull? They haven't been terrible over the past week and a half. Is the fix just Jason Lorenzen and um, – Michael Lorenzen. My, I always say Jason <laughs> Lorenzen. I have no idea why. <laughs> Michael Lorenzen and uh, – uh, uh, Dag Sims, Lucas Sims, TJ Antone. Antone, that's the one because Sims has been struggling too. But is the answer just simply <laughs> – Lorenzen and, and Antone, or what? What do they have to do with this bullpen? Yeah, I mean that's kind of the that's kind of the position they're in. I mean, I, I don't think you can really do much more to fix it than what's already been done. Um, you know, it's not it's not a great bullpen. Michael Lorenzen, Michael Givens, I think was a great trade from Colorado. He hasn't given up a run since he came over um, into the Reds bullpen. Like you said, T.J. Antone should be back probably in a week. Lucas Sims, I I, I like Lucas Sims a lot. I just think. Um, he's been put in some tough situations and um, given up some extra runs that way. So I think his ERA looks worse than he's actually pitched. Um, so, I mean, you, you do have three or four or five guys that you really trust. It's just a matter of you, you wish you had, like if Amir Garrett was pitching like he did in the past couple of seasons, you'd have a lefty to add to that. Or if Sean Doolittle was um, kind of where he was in the playoff runs a couple of years ago, um, you'd feel a lot more confident if you could balance it a little bit more. If you had a couple lefties pitching well, the problem is that they don't have lefties pitching well, and they had to rely on like guys like Keith Embry and Brad Brock, who, you know, they had they had their stretches where they pitched well, but they're also yeah. guys who were released by other teams at some point this year. So yeah, like, um, they had to make the most out of what they had. The Heath Embry thing is the one that's got me so confused. I I completely understand when a guy is struggling, wanting to get him in a game to get fixed, right? The only way you're going to fix yourself a lot of times is to get in a game and pitch through it. I totally get that, and I totally know what Bell's doing when he's doing something like that. But at some point in time, he, he's got to not be the guy in the pressure situations. You need to let him pitch out of it in a much lesser, less pressure situation. I, I don't understand why he gave him so many opportunities there about a week and a half ago, that Saturday game where he, I mean, it was two games in a row. He couldn't, he couldn't, he walked the first batter in three straight, in three straight outings. It's, it's a tough, tough way to go. I don't, I don't know that Bell manages his bullpen the best way he possibly could. He got two brand new arms that they traded for. That's what he's needed is arms in that bullpen. And then he hardly used them when he got them. Yeah, and part of it's just like like Luis Sessa. He, he gets a lot of love online. I hear from Redskins. He's a low ERA this year. But when he's with the New York Yankees, I mean, he was like a, a fifth inning, sixth inning middle reliever type guy. Like, um, you know, he, he wasn't pitching deep into games with uh, late innings in a one-run game. He was a guy who was coming in in the fifth, sixth innings when the team was up by three or down by three and pitching well in that role. So, I mean, it's a completely new role for him, and I, I think you've seen him struggle a little bit. Um, when he's been put into situations where it's a one-run game. I mean, I, sure. I, he, he Hembry struggled, but I, I don't know how many other guys would have done that much better than Hembry. I mean, you could have used Lorenzen there. You could have used Michael Givens there. Um, but then you still run into the same issues where if you need someone for the ninth, you throw it in during the ninth inning. And I, I think it's one of those, they just ran out of 
reliable options when Heath Embry was struggling, and um, that that's what led to his release. Is he just he had all those opportunities, like you said, and he couldn't make the most of them. Yeah. So how close is T.J. Antone to coming back and helping this bullpen? Yeah, probably probably five days or so. He's pitching. He pitched today at Louisville AAA on a rehab assignment. He pitches tomorrow. Um, then I think it's pitches again Sunday or Saturday. Um, and that, then, then he's ready to come back on Tuesday when the Reds travel to Milwaukee to play the Brewers. So I, I think that would be the, the way to line it up is you bring him back uh, first game you play the Brewers. Good timing on that, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Is, is the Brewers even an option at this point? Nine games back with, what we say, six weeks to go. The Brewers are no longer an option, right? We're, we're strictly trying to hold off um, the Braves, the, the Phillies, uh, even the Mets, who even though they're – absolutely terrible right now i think they've won nine out of their last 20, 30 games or something but are Cardinals we are, are we pretty much just going after san diego in that second wild card or is there possibly a chance we don't have a ton of we only got one more series against the brewers so is there even a chance at that at this point i don't i don't really think so i mean it it would require the brewers to collapse at some point and that they've shown zero signs of that since the middle of may i mean they've been one of the best teams in baseball since the middle of may um, their pitching's legit. They score enough runs. So I, I, I'd be surprised if they collapsed the way it would be necessary for the Reds to make up that many games. I mean, say the Reds swept next week, then you're within five or six games. Maybe it looks a little bit more realistic. Um, but when you're talking nine with only 40 left, I mean, th- that would require an epic collapse, and I just don't see that happening. So uh, a couple of guys uh, moving back to the offensive side. Jose Barrero got was it his first start, first major league start today? Uh, this season this started season. started a bit last year. That's yeah. right, that's right, that's right. Um, and went two for three today. Is he a guy that? So when Jesse Winker comes back, is he the guy that's going to be sent back down, or he has to be? Because I don't think anybody else has any options, do they? I mean, that's the reason that Sinzel's or not Sinzel, but uh, uh, who's the pitcher they sent down? Because nobody has options on this team, right? Yeah, I mean that's that's probably the the toughest part is trying to figure out who to do that with. But there, I mean, there could be another injury by then. You could put down a reliever, and then you just have an extra guy on the bench. Um, you'd have five guys on the bench instead of four, which is I think what they'd prefer to do. It's just a matter of then you lose a, a reliever that way, another reliever besides Hembry. So um, I, I could see them keeping him. Say, say he hits like he did today. I don't think you can send him back down. Um, but if he doesn't hit um and they just move him down the rosters expand an extra two spots in september so it'd probably be a short-term thing anyway if they did have to send him down because he wasn't hitting gotcha and then another guy that they decided was eligible to come back and they decided to keep him down or they i guess recalled him and then sent him right back down nick senzel is that is this the last time have we seen the last of nick senzel this season do you think or is he going to be? Is he just going to be called up in September, or do you think he wants a roster spot becomes available at some point? He's the next guy to be called back up. I think he's back at some point. I mean, it's kind of up to him. It's one of those the Reds don't feel he's ready. He he's healthy. It's just a matter of the Reds didn't think he was playing well enough to to earn a starting spot. And um, if he's going to be coming off the bench, it'd be kind of like Jose Barrero's role, but Barrero can play shortstop and. Um, I think Kyle Farmer getting a few days, a few more days off at shortstop is more beneficial than Sinzel, um, who can't play, who probably can't play shortstop. He's played a few minor league games there, but I don't think they view him as a major league shortstop yet. So it's one of those. It was surprising when they did it, um, but he, they say he's not looking as normal as he does when he runs with his knee, head knee surgery. So that, that'll be the big thing to watch. I mean, I'll be curious to see how he plays in AAA after this news because. Um, you know, no player's happy when that happens, especially a player of his caliber. So say he comes out and he hits the ball like crazy at AAA, I mean, he should be back pretty quickly. But um, say it gets into his head and he struggles, then, you know, maybe maybe it takes a lot longer. I got you. Um, one thing I wanted to ask you about, your opinion on – I should have asked this when we were talking about Joey Votto, but 2,000 hits now, over 1,000 RBIs, 300 home runs – is he a guarantee? I mean, does that 2,000 hits, does that put him over the top? If anybody was on the fence about a Hall of Fame, is he definitely a Hall of Famer, or does he need to add to that a little bit? 
I don't think it was the 2,000 hits. I think it was just what he's been doing this season, like him having one more MVP caliber type year. I don't, I don't know where he rates right now, but he's probably around, I would assume, in top 10 conversation. Um, I, I think that's kind of opened some eyes because before it was kind of like he was fading. You know, 20, 2018 was a bad, uh, poor season for him by his standards. 2019 was a bad season. 2020 was bad. And if it was like if he had 2021 was bad too, it would be like, you know, he ended his career on a bad note. Maybe, you know, that leaves a bad taste in voters' mouths. But um, I, I think he's done enough now. Obviously, getting 2,000 hits and reaching all these milestones helps. Um, but I, a guy who's won an MVP, finished second in another year in MVP, um, and getting probably MVP votes again this year, um, I, I think that probably solidifies him in his Hall of Fame career. So so with 2,000 hits, 1,264 walks, all right? He's one of 152 players ever to have 2,000 hits. That's a lot of people. He's one of 12 players to get 1,200 64 walks only six players have done both ricky henderson frank thomas lou gehrig babe ruth and ted williams i'd say he's in pretty good company right there i've never heard of any of those guys (laughs) Um, (laughs) uh, yeah i I saw one of 22 players ever to have uh, over 5,000 plate appearances have 300 400 and 500 slash line um yeah he's uh, like chris kind of opened it up with he's he is it's fun to see those things for a guy that's had such a long career for the with the same team, same team. you gotta team. love that and he looks so good in a mounting uniform <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's uh I, I guess there's not really a question for you bobby we're just kind of we're just kind of <laughs> gushing over joey Votto here i love but, joey uh, I, just, I just i just think people hold it, his contract against him like he's not he's not I feel like people in Cincinnati dislike him more than he's disliked elsewhere. Oh, there are. I'm telling you right now, Bobby, I, I meet fans, Reds fans from out of town all the time. Love Joey Votto. When I tell them how polarizing he is in the city, they can't understand it. They have no, they're like, how can you not love Joey Votto? The guy's unbelievable. How do you not? How can a Reds fan not love Joey Votto? I don't, Neither can we. It. You and I have been on the same page. I, we've never no dipped sense. in the dislike. You know, never. I still, yeah, I, I still meet tons of people here that think that Joey Va- thinks that Joey Votto is always hurt because he had like two seasons where he was out. Of, he was hurt was a lot ten years ago or whatever. And people are just like they they don't like the contract. They don't like that he had a couple of seasons where he missed a lot of games because he was hurt. And he wants to walk all the time. That's the big one. Oh, yeah. he doesn't swing with runners in scoring position. All right, well, because he was a two-hole hitter, right? He wasn't in that spot now. Now he's back. Now he's banging. That's why I'm getting me a Votto's banging shirt. You got one yet, Bob? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I just feel like maybe it's like he, he's not the most exciting player. Like he's not oh, – He's so funny. Like a Cunha or Tatis or someone like that. You know, there's – Sure. Trips with athleticism. Yeah, yeah. You know, like you said, he draws a lot of walks, but it's one of those, if you get out the least times in baseball ever, almost every year, to me, it's like, I don't know why there's not more of an appreciation locally. I, totally I'm agree. telling you right now, this is this, Bobby, this is the perfect example of the thing I talk about all the time. The loudest people that you hear doesn't, that's not the majority. It's not even close, usually. On, on the Twitter, on the Facebook, on whatever, when you hear people getting loud and screaming, not just about Vado, but about anything, politics, you name it, yeah. the loudest people with the craziest things they're saying, that's usually the minority, not the majority, that feel that way. That's why I truly believe 85 to 90% of people in Cincinnati love Joey Votto, if not more. But yeah. I, it's not a question, I guess. <laughs> But it just seems like, you know, like Cardinal fans, I'm guessing they – I can't imagine, like, and Albert Pujols won a World Series there, but I can't imagine he's, like, a polarizing figure to no. even 10% of the people. No. He's beloved by everyone. I mean, and maybe that's part of the problem is, you know, Votto hasn't won a playoff series in his career, and maybe people hold that against him. God, but. I'd love to, to be this year. I'd love to get him just – even – you know what? I don't – I want more than one series – but that dude, this would this is it. I mean, we he's got one, maybe two years. Because who all on this team um, needs to sign a new contract to be to stay with the Reds? How how many how many how many key players could we possibly lose next year? Nick Castellanos has an opt out. Michael Lorenzen will be a free agent. Um, 
the team gets to decide. They have high salaries, so it'll be club options. But on uh, Tucker Barnhart and Wade Miley, that's probably the main four. And, and there's some relievers like Brad Brock, Sean Doolittle, those guys. The, are well, on one-year deals. Yeah. But the the Castellanos thing. Ones. The Castellanos thing's a big one. If there's a way that for him to sign a team fa- team friendly deal that still gets him paid. That would be nice. I don't know. I don't know if that's something that'll happen. If we, I think the city has embraced Nick Castellanos incredibly, and I think he loves playing here. But man, Benjamin's talk. See if he'll sign a Bobby Bonilla deal. That's. I'm telling you, why don't more people do that? I try to negotiate that every chance I got. Two million dollars a year for the next fifty years. Let's go. Next thing you know, you're paying twenty guys two million dollars a year for the next. 50 yeah, but years. that's not that bad. That's only one Vado. <laughs> so anyway, all right. So um, you just mentioned uh, those those guys that were that were pitching, or those guys that were uh, could possibly be gone. Castianos, Tucker Barnhart's one I want to talk about. If that's the case with Tucker Barnhart, and you've got a guy who is proving to be not as good a defender as Tucker Barnhart, because that's almost impossible with his Gold Gloves. But I mean, these two together are the. It makes them the best. Def- they're the best defensive uh, catching duo in all of baseball by far. And Tyler Stevenson is turned a corner with baseball bat. Is that something where you see them going ahead and 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 they're not? I wouldn't just let them walk. But is this something where uh, possibly possibly uh, Tugger Barnhart's not with this team next year? Yeah, I mean, if he's not, I think that's the biggest factor is Tyler Stevenson. You want to get him more playing time and, you know, catchers his position. So I, I think it would make sense. I mean, if you can use that money elsewhere, you feel like you can find another backup um, that could fill, you know, like a Kirk Casale role last year along with Stevenson, something like that. It'd be, it'd be tough to lose Barnhart. I mean, he's a Gold Glove winner. He's so good with the pitching staff. I mean, he's caught everyone away Wade Miley starts this year. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, it, sa- it says something about those two two veterans having the season they're having together. But um, to me, I mean, Tyler Stevenson's a future all-star. I, th- I think I think he is the brightest future of anyone on the team, you know, you, of the young players on the team. So, but the one thing that I could, I could see factoring into that is you do have the DH. That's what I was just going to bring up. I was just going to bring that up. And he, he looked fine at first base. I mean, when, when Votto was injured, he, he, he wasn't making, like, gold glove plays, but he was making all the routine plays. So, you know, DH, first base catcher, maybe that opens up more avenues for playing time. And then you just look at keep, keeping Barnhart for at least one more year and letting him get the bulk of, you know, letting his defense do what it does. That's my – I think I think the biggest, uh, the biggest thing there is going to be what happens with that – with the DH because if that DH comes and Votto can DH uh, Stevenson has shown that he can play some first and plays it pretty well. Why not? Why not keep that going? Let him go ahead and play first and, and catch every now and then when Barnhart needs a break and, and then he can, he can get a break at first as well when he need days off and Votto can go play. I kind of like that. I like that little rotation. Yeah, I mean, to me, the, when you talk about the DH, the biggest factor that's going to come into play is uh, Eugenio Suarez and Mike Moustak is what you do with those two. Because Jonathan India has got to start at second base. Vado's got to start at first. Jose Barrero is probably your shortstop. Kyle Farmer, maybe he's maybe he plays third base. Maybe he splits time at short um, if he's still hitting. So, I mean, th- that's kind of those are the two big wild cards is Suarez and Moustakis, their big contracts, what you do with them if – you don't see them as you don't see them both as starting third baseman. And it doesn't necessarily have to be like you said, there's not a lot of just DHs anymore. So it's not, I mean, we can have a rotation. Well, we just rotate them around, let everybody get a little playing time and get a little time in the DH. It's almost like a half a day off when all you're doing is hitting. Yeah, that's true. I mean, I, I wouldn't be shocked. And, you know, Jesse Winker was the primary DH last year too. Um, and, and maybe that factors into something, you know, you have another outfielder, uh, to fill that role, and you move Winker back to primary D, not primary, but a guy who DHs often. So with that Mustak, that Mustakis Suarez thing is very interesting to me. If they make the playoffs, and you have to come up with your best lineup, maybe it depends on the matchup, the pitching matchup, and everything. But 
I mean, what do you see them doing at third base and shortstop, for that matter, in the playoffs? Yeah, I mean, that still depends. Shortstop is still if, – if Kyle Farmer hits, I, I, I think you like him there, and then you probably lean towards whoever the best bat is at third, whether it's Barrero, Musakis, Suarez. I mean, all three of those guys that. can play there. Yeah. But but if you get to the playoffs, and I, I, I just don't see a Eugenio Suarez – they tried everything with him. I mean, they tried him at leadoff. They tried him at eight, giving him a few days off, and he, he's just not hitting consistently. And so I, I just find it hard to keep him in the lineup every day, which is crazy to say for a guy who has 20-plus homers, 60-plus RBIs, even though he's struggling as much as he is. Great power threat. Um, but he, he just I, – I don't know if you feel comfortable with him in the lineup every day um, expecting him to produce. And the weakest defensive player, to be honest, right? Who swore? Yeah, I'd probably Suarez. put him. Mustakis looks yeah. a little bit hobbled lately, um, coming back from his foot injury. But when they're both healthy, I think Mustakis is better at third than Suarez. Hey, who's the funniest guy in the uh, Who's the funniest guy in the press box? Funniest guy in the press box. When you're up, you and can say you if you want. Yeah, yeah. If you if you're if you without a doubt are the funniest guy, dude, bring it on yourself. Get a little pat on the back. Who keeps it light? <laughs> Who keeps it light up there during those long work days? I feel like we're all pretty lighthearted people. Yeah, always always joking around. Mark Mark Sheldon's pretty funny. He gets he's really good on pop culture, so he's really good at dishing out those types of references. Nice, I like that. That's that's good to know. It's good to know. Um. So next year, the field of dream. This field of dreams game was awesome. I don't know if you got to see that or not. Uh, I don't think did were the Reds playing. I can't remember how that. If you got to, I don't know if you got were able to actually see the field of dreams game. The game was awesome, uh, but just looking at that field was amazing. I believe the Cardinals, whoever or the Cubs or somebody, whoever is already been said they will. It got leaked that they are going to be in that field of dreams game next year. If you look at the schedule. And they played that Field of Dreams game on the, on the same day. Whoever that team is is playing the Reds on that day. Yeah. Which means yeah, there's the Reds, a chance. The Reds are in it. Oh, it is it is for sure. Okay. Yep. So the Reds are in it. So next year, Field of Dreams game, are you going to get to walk out on Are you going to go walk on the field? That'd be cool if, it, if I'm the one covering it. It's me or Charlie Goldsmith, one of us. Gotcha. Now, if it's you, here's my thing. So this is my thing, right? If it's me covering that game, I have to be there early. And your dad is a your dad does national uh, sports and baseball. Maybe dad shows up. Do you have a catch with your dad on the field? <laughs> now, now you're thinking outside the box. That's dude. Really I'm telling you right now. Uh, it's the very first thing I would think of if I was doing anything anywhere near that field. I would need to make sure I had a glove and my dad was there with a glove because I need to have a catch. <laughs> I need to have a catch with my dad. You know what? With my dad or with Kevin Costner, to be well, honest with Kevin you. Kevin Costner, take it with him yeah. Too. <laughs> Ray Li- oh, it wasn't Ray Liotta. Who was it? It was that little – what's that? Well, I don't know the actor's name that played Costner's dad. But, yeah, I'll do it with anybody. I'll toss with anybody. Really, I'll have a catch with anybody on the field of Dreams Field. So this might be disappointing, but I've never seen the Field of Dreams movie. Oh, You've Bob, never seen the movie? Bobby, Bobby, Bobby. No. But, okay, here's the deal. This is your, you know, we probably won't talk till playoffs or after playoffs or before. I don't know when we'll talk again. We love having you on here. You're one of our fa- – you're, you're, you are our favorite guest to have on the podcast. But Principal's I, office again. Here I'm putting you – I'm giving you a little homework. <laughs> Sit down with your wife and watch Field of Dreams. <laughs> it's going to be a little cheesy through parts. But I, I promise you, you will tear up. I, I have a I, box of tissues, I'm telling you. I've been crying at Field of Dreams since I was like 11 years old. Still, 100%. My all-time, it is my number one favorite movie of all time. Wow. Yeah. It's that good, Bobby. It, it is really that is. good. It's that good. Yeah. I'm just, I'm just really bad at watching baseball movies. Like, Moneyball, never seen it. Oh, that's a good one, too. That is Man. good. My dad lived. My dad was at that at that game in Oakland when they the twentieth uh, win. The twentieth right? win. Yeah, he that's was right. there at that game. So that's his favorite. That's his favorite movie because it's all based around that one game, and it the stories told all around that game is pretty cool. Wow! But, but you've never seen it, so you wouldn't know that. <laughs> <laughs> I was getting touched to listen to it. There you go. <laughs> 
<laughs> we can do the no, whole. Like, we can read the script to you right now. The whole movie. You want to do that? <laughs> yeah. I'll be Brad Pitt. We got time. Go ahead. Yeah, I hear you. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Speaking of, we've been we've had John here for a half an hour. I don't want to keep you. I don't want to keep you forever. Um, you got any more baseball stuff here for him, Adam? I think that's it for me. So, Bobby, I guess I've got one question left for you. Yeah. When you were a young man. Or even even a uh, middle schooler or teenager or even as a grown adult like me, um, did you ever watch professional wrestling? It's see what's sad is I didn't. My best friend did growing yeah. up, and I ne- I never got into it. He never talked. I'd watch boxing, but I never wrestling okay. was never my thing. I like that because I was a boxing guy too. I just when wow. I I had a there was a span when I was when I was little that I watched it back in the late 80s. And then there was a span in the late 90s. And then now my son watches it. He's 9 years old. He loves it, so I started watching it again. Uh, I was going to ask you for your Mount Rushmore. We were this week's Mount Rushmore for us, which is what our next segment will be is Mount Rushmore hardcore wrestlers, but I don't know if you've got anything for us if you if you're not if you're not big on it. So, uh, I have names, but I, I don't know if I'd feel confident. Like this guy's definitely better than your guy. Oh no, no, no! You, you the the hardcore guys. There's only a few of them. It's not. It, it, I guarantee you they're probably the same ones. <laughs> what do you got? Who you got? Uh, let's see. Hang on. I had it written down, so hang on. All right. Let's see. Here, go with your list first. All right, go ahead. Adam, you want to start? You want to start? Sure. Uh, I've got Terry Funk, who was, uh, to me, we talked about this, Chris and I talked about this last week. We, we, had, we, did a whole, we did a whole episode on pro wrestling. So boring for most people. <laughs> we loved it, though. I had a blast. Uh, Terry Funk was like the face of the e- of ECW to me, and ECW is like the where hardcore wrestling sure, ex- started. Extreme yeah, championship they wrestling. hit each other with razor wire and weird stuff like that. Um, so Terry Funk for me. You Al- know, Terry Funk didn't start doing the extreme wrestling stuff until like he was in his late forties. He oh, started yeah. wrestling. He started. He was a professional wrestler in in like the seventies. He looked like he was sixty eight years old his yeah. entire career. Yeah. So. Uh, Al Snow. Al Snow it was a strange character, man. He carried around that mannequin head and I don't, uh, I don't even remember Al remember Snow. Al Snow, no. man. He was he was weird. He was early on when WWE first started with the hardcore championship. Yeah. Um so he was he was like the second or third hardcore champion. He was just a, a really strange guy. Crash Holly, um, who was the the hardcore champion in WWE a whole bunch of times and that was like his whole thing he was just a he was just a rough guy that um actually ended up uh found out today uh overdosing and passing away yeah imagine that and yeah so pretty pretty big theme in uh in wrestling and then raven uh Raven, really? You got Raven over like Sabu and yep. and and Mick Foley. Raven held the Hardcore Championship in WWE more times than anybody. Yeah, in WWE, but that's not hardcore. That's not. I, look, you. Yeah, I've you're got, right. okay. I've got that's some other guys written down, but I'm afraid right. you're gonna they're gonna be on your list for sure. So you go ahead. All right, all right, Bobby, did you find yours? No, go ahead. I like listening to this. <laughs> all right, all right. So I've got to. You got to put Mick Foley on there. Mick Foley's the most psychopathic, crazy person to ever that I've ever seen wrestle. I like Terry Funk. Totally down for that. We talked about this dude, Nick Gage. I told you about this dude. He won the triple crown of hardcore extreme wrestling. That's like death matches and stuff like that, where they just basically beat each other with light bulbs and and (laughs) razor wire and stuff like that so nick gage has to be on there and then there's some japanese guy named onita and uh he started extreme wrestling wrestling over in japan this dude's so crazy like at one point in time he let a guy gut him with a piece of razor wire like stuck it in his gut and was gushing blood like this dude was (laughs) insane but there's a ton of other guys. But you got Bruiser Brody, who might have been one of the most crazy dead dudes. Face, if you look at his face, and New Jack. I take that back. I'm not putting. I'm not putting Onita on there. I'm putting New Jack on there because that dude was just psycho. <laughs> Bobby, if you don't know who New Jack is, 
Type in New Jack into <laughs> YouTube and just watch this is the most psychopath. This dude's killed multiple people legit. It was just they called it self defense. What? Yeah. <laughs> that's no that's not a joke. Yeah. He was a Jeez. ECW guy. You gotta be wow. a special kind of strange to do hardcore wrestling. Yeah. Sandman? I mean, come on, man. Sandman, that dude just walked out with a beer and a cigarette and a cane and beat the crap out of everybody. <laughs> anyway, tax. Oh, he was the he was the tack guy. He always had a barrel of tacks he'd throw in. All right, so what do you got, Bobby? All right, so I, I agree with you guys. It's one of each from yours, Plumpton Foley. Yes, I like the Mick Foley. That's a good one. I got uh, the Sandman. Yes, I love it. I love it. See, me and Bobby are on the same page. And the last one is Kurt Angle. Kurt Angle. That's a different. Okay, okay. That's a different I don't know one. if he qualifies as hardcore, but. I'm sure he did some hardcore matches. I'm Absolutely, sure. yeah. I've I've seen, I can picture I've seen, him. I've seen Kurt Angle with bloody. a lot of blood. Oh, yeah. yeah. I've seen him all blooded up. Yeah. Well, that's a good call. I like the Kurt Angle. All right, you got a fourth? Uh, so, there's, there's, there's my fourth. Sandman, Kurt Angle, Foley, and Funk. Oh, Terry Funk. Terry Funk. Yes, yes. Yeah. Perfect. That's good. Okay. I didn't hear the Terry Funk. No, you got to put – Terry Funk's got to be on there. That Him, New Jack – Mick Foley, I feel like, and then Nick Gage. That's mine right there. There you go. I like Nick Gage in Raising Arizona. and um, Not Nick Cage. <laughs> not Cage. <laughs> Gage. Kidding. Gage. Look him up. The dude's a, another crazy dude. He's got a behind-the-ropes thing or whatever. Dark side of the ropes. Holy cow. I love it, Bobby. Good work on that, man. You did, you did a heck of a job for, on that. For not a big wrestling guy, that was impressive. Yeah, you threw some good ones out there. Yeah, I just I, I found some good names that I remember, and that's what I uh, had to go with. Well done, brother. Well done. <laughs> Bobby Bobby Nightingale, Reds beat writer, uh, Cincinnati Inquirer. Oh, shoot. Oh, man. Bobby, I'm sorry, dude. I have to ask you one more question. I'm yeah. sorry if you're ready to go. I, this is something that's kind of big for me. I've been listening to a lot of stuff on this the last couple of days. Maybe you can or cannot even comment on it. I don't know. How about uh, Doherty's at the at the tennis at the tennis uh, the tennis uh, question that he asked Naomi Osaka, who they turn around uh, the 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 agent turns around and puts out a press relief talking talking about the bullying question from the Cincinnati Enquirer. I will tell you right now, I've listened to the question. I listened to the question that was asked before it and the question asked after it. I thought the question asked after it was worse because of the way that she was talking uh, because she said, is it okay if I ask you a tennis question now? And then turned around and asked her a question of a double barrel question about Haiti. So that was just as bad. Number one, number two, I thought it was one of, I thought it was a extremely well-worded question. I thought the fact that Naomi Osaka had the, uh, the option of moving on and didn't and said she wanted to answer the question and then gave a incredibly heartfelt, true answer was amazing. And I'm happy that a lot of all the network medias, all the big ones, ESPN, everybody has been on Doherty's side and said he was not a bully. I want to know if you heard the question and what your thoughts are on it. Yeah, so my dad called whenever the day it happened, and he goes, hey, it you see the Osaka press conference? I said, no. And he's like, it's on TMZ. Uh, <laughs> oh, boy. Jeez, that's not good. <laughs> someone from the Inquirer, you know, asked a question. She started crying. So I was like, oh. And I, I assumed it was Adam Baum because he's, he's been our main – he's our main guy who covers it. Yeah. Oh, okay. And I know, I know he's been on your guys' show a lot. Absolutely, so yeah. I, I thought it was him at first. And then, um, you know, watch the exchange. Obviously, knew it was Doc's voice. Yeah. Um, but when I was watching it, I kept waiting like – because she cries after the question. It wasn't after was, his like, question. Like, it was the second question. I really yeah. think she was crying because of the Haiti question. She's got family in Haiti. She's you know that's she's part Haitian. I think that's what started making her cry. I don't think it was even Doherty's thing. She made a she had an unbelievable answer to his question. Yeah, and it was like I think a New York Times person tweeted it at first. Like he, he was the one who put out like aggressive tone and yeah. um, kind of attacked Doc's tone, but. It, like listening to it, I kept waiting. Like, when's the moment where he's going to ask something that makes her mad or sad or whatever? Yeah. And then, it, like, it started happening. I go, that's it. Like, I, mm-hmm. to me, to me, I would have never thought twice about it until, um, you know, it, it, 
went crazy and viral and everything else. I would have never thought twice about his question. I thought it was fine. They had a, I thought their back and forth was fine. Yeah. Um, I, I haven't met, I haven't met anyone who thinks, um, you know, Doherty was in the wrong or had an aggressive tone or anything like that. I mean, I, she gave a wonderful answer. I did. She did. Has she, there been she, anything? She chose to answer it. She did. She chose to, they gave her the option to move on when she was paused thinking about it and she chose to answer it. Has there been any new statements from this? Has Doc got an apology from these people yet? No, I, I don't think that'll be coming. I uh, mean, it's one of those, like the agent, I mean, I'm sure that, you know, that's kind of his job is to make her feel, sure. you know, like she's always in the right, someone else is in the wrong. Some, uh, I, I just I just don't think it was that big of a deal. I mean, I, I don't know how she felt afterwards, obviously, but yeah. or what, exa- what exactly led to her crying, but I just have a hard idea of thinking it was something Doc said or his, I, I didn't think anything of his tone. I didn't, I'm, I'm, I'm with you. I, I just yeah. wondered if I, that's, I mean, cause he's, yeah, I don't know if he's your boss, but he's the, he's vice Probably editor or something like that. So he's gotta be, I mean, he's pretty high there over there. Yeah. I mean, it was, it was surprising that it got the coverage it did. I mean, I, I understand it because it was Naomi Osaka's first sure. press conference in months and yep. Since the reason she she stopped doing it. Yep. Yeah. And that was huge news. So, but, you know, I thought his question was kind of the question everyone's kind of been wondering over the last few months is, you know, it's fine if you don't want to do it, but you do have this platform, you know, that you want to use it for. So how do you balance it? And I, th- I thought she had a good answer. I mean, it was, it was, it was, I thought it was, a, I thought it was a great exchange. I thought it was a really good exchange between the two of them. But anyway, I, 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 I wish it was Adam so we could give him a hard time about it. Oh man, <laughs> if it was Adam, I, yeah, if Adam would have said that, Bobby, I'm not going to lie to you, you wouldn't be on the podcast today. <laughs> we'd have you on next week. We'd have you on next week and we'd have Adam on here just giving him four types of hell. <laughs> Made that, poor little, guy, right? made that poor little, made that poor lip, typical elder guy, made that poor little girl cry. <laughs> Way to go, hard guy. <laughs> anyway, all right. Well, it's time to go, man. Get some sleep. Um, you got a long, you got a, you got a game. Well, we're still at home. Probably got up really early today for this early game, right? Yeah, you probably did. Yeah, that's not too bad. Like nine, nine o'clock. Not too bad. Oh, that's yeah. not. That's not terrible. Well, we've got. I did want to say that uh, the press box food yesterday was Skyline. Yes. Nice. You guys were the the OGs for me. I love it. I love it. I love that. What'd you have? A five way. Nice. I love that. Good for you, brother. I fall away from the beans most of the time. I'm a four way guy with onion, but every now and then I'll throw a little bean on the Skyline. Mm. I'll throw a little bean on it. Very nice. You got to mix it up a little bit. That's right. No doubt. I totally agree with you. I totally agree with you. That's awesome. Congratulations on more Skyline. And you'll have so much more over the next however many years that you're here in this beautiful city of Cincinnati. <laughs> and we're going to take you back out. We're going to get back out to Skyline with yeah. you at some point here, At buddy. some point in time, we got to do it again. We owe you for all the times you've come on and helped us out on the show. Yep. No, man. You guys are, you guys are great. No, Enjoy we, coming on. We appreciate it as but always. we're not taking you to Skyline until you see Field of Dreams, so that's just <laughs> the deal. Sorry. There you go. There you go. Well put. Well put. Yes, I like it. All right. Get out of here, man. We appreciate it. Once again, Bobby Nightingale, how do we follow you? Uh, how do we check out all your stuff that you do through the Inquirer and everything else? Just Cincinnati.com. That's the easiest way to find it. Or at NightingaleJR on Twitter. There you go. All right, Bobby. We appreciate it as always, man. You have a good rest of your night. Yeah, same to you guys. Thanks, Bobby. See you. Bye. Bobby Nightingale Jr., Cincinnati Reds beat writer for the Cincinnati Enquirer slash USA Today. That dude never fails. I'm telling you what, the young guys that we bring onto this show to talk about the Xavier Musketeers and the Cincinnati Reds are as professional as it gets. Absolutely. These dudes Did, know their stuff. Uh, yep. And didn't bat an eye when you asked him about the controversial thing with his colleague and everything. He had a great answer for that. Bobby's the best. I wanted to ask him. That was a big – that was – I really wanted to start – I meant to start the whole thing off with that Doherty and not end. I wanted to start with that just to kind of get moving because that was a really big thing for – I mean, the inquiry was brought up a lot. Mm-hmm. I Again, this morning, it was on It was on first take again this morning, just like yesterday. They were talking about it yesterday, talked about it again today. Stephen A. and Max Kellerman are like – I don't understand it. It doesn't make any sense why it's, they're it's, upset. But it's not surprising because it's that's how it's going now. Like that's everything is going to be 
can everything you can find a way to make into something whether it is or not the good thing is is i'm sure by i'm gonna say by friday nobody's even gonna be talking about this dr dv will be everything will pull back all you gotta do is sit back for a little bit doc will be fine apparently that next day he wrote a really nice article about her because he didn't know about the about the what the agent had said he had already submitted his story and the story was an awesome it was an awesome article in the inquiry i mean it was a I mean, Doc always writes a great article, but yeah, there was no, nothing bad in there. And then he gets that news that the next morning, it's like, that's all being canceled. Okay. For what? (laughs) Yeah, exactly. People calling for his head all over Twitter, apparently calling for his job. He shouldn't be working anymore. Like what, what did he, I'm not getting into that. (laughs) Not getting into that. I haven't, I haven't had enough twisted T's to get into that one, brother. (laughs) Yeah. All right, so so of course we thank Bobby Nightingale Jr. Uh, for joining us today, and that's the bulk of it. But Chris, we got one more thing because we took care of our hardcore wrestlers. Yes, we did. We and, got rid uh, of the hardcore wrestlers, which I'm I was, I was I was a little surprised in Raven. I knew there'd be some more ECW guys in there, but I thought Sabu or or Sandman would be there on top of look Raven for you. I, I think you'll you'll like my my just barely didn't make it list. I had Mankind. Both Dudley brothers had long sure. runs yeah. in the you know in the yep. hardcore thing. Tommy Dreamer and Rob Van Dam. I wrote those guys down too. Tommy Dreamer, like Rob Van Dam. That uh, that that tag team that they that they ran a tag team together. Did they, I didn't even realize they were. Oh tag yeah, they ran a tag team for a while. That was pretty. That, they were that was was pretty crazy. But Tommy Dreamer was more of the hardcore guy than RVD was. Rob Van Dam was more. Well, his hardcore was. He did a lot of high flying stuff that actually hurt people, like <laughs> yeah, some legit hurt and stuff. But no, Tommy Dreamer, uh, yeah, Tommy Dreamer, Tommy Dreamer was in. I mean, that was big. Him, Sabu, I know it was Sabu and uh, and and RVD that were the tag team partners. But Sabu was a nutcase too, man. I, I, you know, I just didn't remember a ton of the heart. Like I remember when they first brought out. As a matter of fact. Mankind was was a one-time hardcore champion, the very first hardcore champion. I don't think he ever after whenever he lost it. I don't yeah, think but he how, ever won. But it did again. Mick Foley ever win it, or did the well the uh-huh. dude never won it? I don't think he did. I don't so, think he did. So but, I, I looked at I looked at the list of all the. But and it's, Mankind, when he was in ECW and he did the Mankind Mick Foley thing in ECW, there was no hardcore title. You just. The matches were just all hardcore. That's the thing, and I definitely put him on my list because I I think of him as a hardcore wrestler as much or more than anybody else because I remember him That's being what in this, he did. I remember him being body slammed onto a bed of thumbtacks and how about thrown through the top of the at, at WrestleMania or was a Hell in a Cell by the Undertaker from the Undertaker and choke slammed into the top in, through the, the top of the of the cage. And down to the mat and almost landed on his neck, mm-hmm. just barely got him. And, and Undertaker came, you know, finally got down there and they're talking to him. And he said he was, he was out of it. He doesn't even remember most of it because it wasn't supposed to happen. That the cage was the not cage, supposed to collapse. And it was Mick Foley's idea for the Undertaker to do that. He told him to throw him through where that cage started. When the cage started, he Undertaker said when they got up there and he's walking. You can see that he's staying right next to where the bars are. Oh yeah, and he said you just hear those the things the little things that hold the the fence the fencing to the fence posts. He said as they walk, you could just hear him and see him snapping and flying all over the place. <laughs> so he was like trying his best to walk on the bars instead of that, and and the power bomb, and then the. Or the tombstone first that he did to him, and then the the choke slam once it opened up, all though that was all Mick Foley's idea. Crazy, it, yeah. Mick Foley was like that. He would do anything for the yep. product or whatever. You know, he was, his little one man show that he does apparently is phenomenal. I wanted I'll to bet. get tickets to it. Uh, that he was coming through like Indianapolis and somewhere close. Speaking of that, and we'll talk about something else here soon. Um, he was coming around. And, uh, but it ended up getting canceled because of the COVID deal. But I was, I really was thinking about making a trip to Indianapolis to go watch that would be cool. mankind do his little one man show, just talking crazy, taking questions and everything is pretty cool. Yeah. Um, speaking of that, I've got 
Mike Little, good buddy, good buddy of mine, fan of the podcast. Uh, I got him hooked on Nate Bergazzi. Bargazzi. Nice. He texted me actually. Did he text yeah. you too? Yeah. <laughs> Did he? So he texted me today. Nate Bargazzi is going to be in Columbus October yeah. 29th. And he's like, he just texted me and he's like, I'll talk to my wife. You talk to yours. We got to go. He's so pumped up. He's all in on Nate Bargazzi. What's the, what's the date? October 29th. It's a Friday. So there's a seven and a nine show. Hmm. Very interesting. Yeah. That's a. Uh... Something to think about there, bud. Something to think about. Think about there. Head out and hit a little nine o'clock show. Go have a little night on the town. Wake up Saturday morning. Head back in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Or you watch a seven o'clock show and drive straight back home. <laughs> we'll have to see what's going on with basketball then. There you go. Oh, that is prime basketball time. We're uh, yeah. I think our our first game is a few days after that. Um, so okay. Good call on that. Love it. So so we got Bobby Nightingale's is is done. Thank you so much for that. Tons of Reds talk on this uh, on this podcast. If you're catching late on the FaceTube, um, jump on uh, in the next couple days. We'll, this will be on all the podcast platforms. Check it out on uh, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Apple iTunes, all that, all that good stuff. It's it'll be on all those things. You can you can listen to Bobby Nightingale, what he says about the Reds, what's going on with the Reds, uh, all the fun stuff there. Plus our Mount Rushmore of hardcore wrestlers. And now, my friend, it is time. The time has come for the last segment of the show, which is the comedy segment. That's right. And this week's comedy segment was a was a fella. It was a DJ. Hockey, you're gonna have to say it because I don't have it pulled up. Dave Hellum. Is the guy's know. name uh, specials DJ the Chicago Kid? DJ the Chicago Kid. I, I haven't wrote my review my my number down, but I'm gonna do it right now. Okay. Um, this is on Amazon Prime, by the way. If you haven't watched it, uh, you can find it on Amazon Prime. It's it's free with Prime. Um, so that's how we watched it, and I want to know what you thought about it, man. So. Here's the deal with uh, with with what my man did here today. I, I I this was in the middle of COVID when they when a lot of these comedians were doing these car shows, right? You went to one, you went and saw Hannibal Burris, yeah. uh, Burris um, do one of these things, which is pretty cool. And you could tell that he he in the beginning there he was a little nervous. He wasn't sure I was going. the 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 crowd was great. This was supposed to be a Tribeca Music Festival. Uh, in New York, doing his very first ever uh, uh, comedy special, hour-long comedy special, filmed at Tribeca, so he's pretty pumped, and ends up just being right there in L.A. at the Rose Bowl in the parking lot. Yep. <laughs> so, but my man still did a cool venue. It was still a cool venue. My man did a good job. Uh, there was a lot of political stuff in the beginning when he started to do the gluten. Like, you can t- the gluten jokes were cracking me up gluten yes yes the gluten rally the gluten rally jokes which was basically he was just talking about trump rallies is all that was (laughs) it was hilarious absolutely hilarious uh oh my gosh i can't breathe something about the gluten or something i don't know anyway anyway that's really funny check it yes look at that and then there was a little middle part that was okay. He did it was it was it, it it got slow. I mean, it's hard to do an hour, right? You're gonna have some slow parts. You mix it in. What he did at the end, though, I laughed so hard. The very end of it, all of a sudden, I just started dying. He's like, "That's the last time I bought weed from Octavius," <laughs> and I was dying. And that was and that was it was it was perfect. He was he was talking about precious, and it was. <laughs> It was the big small story, and I was cracking up <laughs> laughing so hard. Um, so in the end, in the end, are we rating? I, am I giving the rating now? I think so. Let's hear it. I've changed it three times now. Uh, and that last <laughs> dude the other day, I gave a 4.1. Mm-hmm. I think this guy was better, but I think I'm rating him more correctly. Okay. Uh, I'm going to go with a 3.8. Wow. That's a good. That's still a good score. It's very good score. I thought he did really good. I would definitely recommend this dude. He's funny. He's a really funny dude. He drops n bombs a lot, uh, and I know f- colorful language. Very colorful language, which I'm totally good with. It make that makes things even more funny for me. But um, yeah, three point eight, man. I thought it was. I thought it was really good. 
Yeah. Uh, I'm with you, and I, I think I thought the same thing. I, I had a little – it started slow for me with the political stuff and all that. I, 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 did, I just and listen, didn't – And listen, if you're a Republican or right-wing or conservative or whatever you want to call yourself, if you can't laugh at yourself or some of the weirdos on your side of the fence, sure. you, you need to laugh at it. And this guy does a really good job of making it pretty funny, even though he can't he, – that's not the side he's on. He does a really good job of laughing about it. So just – it's comedy. Just laugh. If you're watching it, just laugh. If you can't laugh at yourself, then don't watch it. Anything. Yeah. It was, it, but it was, it was a little slower in the beginning, but I'm totally with you. That really set me off the gluten rally, uh, kind of on the, on the, uh, piggybacking off of the, what he was talking about with the black lives, uh, matter rally. Yeah. yeah. Uh, talked about taking his friend there, his white friend there, and then his white <laughs> friend took him to the gluten rally. To the gluten rally. <laughs> um, uh, so that was, yeah, that was good stuff there. Um, I, yeah, I mean, overall he was, I, I thought he was really good after that. I, he's, he's, it picked up for me and it was, I was, I, I started laughing and it, you know, it gets a little contagious even when you're watching it by yourself, you yep. just start laughing and it's, uh, and you start getting into the joke. So, um, so I, I'm with you and I'm, uh, I, I gave him a 3.1 is oh, what I'm rating wow. him, which is above average. Yeah. Still above still average. Above average. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, I just, I mean, he was good. He, he, he. You know, I, I maybe I started thinking about all the other people that I, that we watched that I really really liked. See, because you gave the guy the last week a three point seven. Yeah, I think he. I you, I liked him a little you, better. You liked him as a comedian better. You thought he was yeah. a more polished comedian, and I, he is more polished comedian than what we just listened to this week. Yeah. But at the same time, I thought this dude was funnier. I'm with you. Yep. Um, well, I'm not with you. I thought the other guy was a little funny, but, <laughs> but I get it. I mean, I, I like Dave Hellum. I definitely recommend it as well. Go on to Amazon Prime and check him out. Uh, so we've got to pick uh, a, a special for next week and a Mount Rushmore for next week. That's right. And uh, so I don't. If you want to go first, nope. with the Okay, you want me to go first? <laughs> Absolutely. Mount Rushmore. Um, I, I, you know, I don't want this to be boring for people, but. I, we got to do a third week in a row yes, of a wrestling Mount Rushmore. It. Let's. I, we got to do tag teams. I'm done with wrestling Mount Rushmores after this. You can add them on if you want to. I, I just want to do tag teams, pro wrestling tag teams, top four all time. Pro wrestling tag teams. I love it. That's perfect. Um, we kind of talked about this the week before that. So that ends up being a very well. I don't. I don't. Oh my gosh! I'm 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 stuttering and I'm talking over myself like I do at the end of every podcast because I'm never prepared to pick a comedy special or to do uh, to pick a Mount Rushmore. Now I can't even find my Amazon Prime app. Uh, everything is just going to hell in a handbasket. But here we go. All right. So what I usually do is just uh, find it, hit stand up comedy, pop up, and see if I can find something halfway new. And, uh, yeah, that's usually what happens. We already saw the rescue cactus, cactus, didn't we? Chris Fairbanks. Yes. All right. 2021 Butch Bradley. We already did that. Mm-hmm. Gaff again, 2021. Oh, here we go. 2021. This is prime. So that's a good thing. Let's see. Uh, Harmony. McElligot. 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 The struggle continues. Harmony McKelligot. That's what we're doing, Bob. Can you give me a spelling? Yeah. Uh, Harmony, H-A-R-M-O-N-Y, M-C-E-L-L-I-G-O-T-T. The struggle continues. On Amazon Prime. Amazon Prime. I'm turning it on now just to make sure that this is a real deal. This is actually a uh, comedian talking and not like a <laughs> comedy show. But, yeah, that's what we're going to do. We're going to go three weeks in a row, new person, someone nothing we've never seen before. Uh, we've been on a pretty good little roll with this. I've talked about it before. Yeah. I love people's first stand-up specials because usually yeah. they're asked to do a stand-up special because they've been putting – Eight, nine, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, twelve years into it, and they have this is all their best stuff. They've never put a special together before. It is as good as it gets. So I'm interested to see 
Yeah, and this is a full out. This dude is a goofy looking dude. He's a little bald guy, so this should be fun. This is a man. This is a man. Yeah. Named I'm, Harmony. Yeah, name. I don't know if that's his name, but it says, <laughs> it, says it is. <laughs> All right. Look, it's I mean, it's a man. I not. mean, they're a man now. So I don't know what they were born as. Yeah, but that's true. Like you said, it's 2021. If you're not transsexual, then you're just gay. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I don't have anything good for that. That's you're, I'm, I got to leave it, leave it there. Um, all right. And uh, so we have our Mount Rushmore. We have our comedy segment for next week. We'll have uh, we'll have some more sports for you. We'll uh, we'll have plenty for you next week. Don't forget to turn your headlights on. <laughs>